0: So, I, I don't have a sling, this arm in a sling today. Um, it's because, yeah, I know, yeah, we can applaud that, sure. I can still only go this high, okay? So, um, I hurt my shoulder somehow, but the doctor said she didn't think I needed a sling, so I'm not wearing it. But I think, we think it's a dislocated shoulder that happened, so it's all good, we're moving forward. But, here's a question, um, that as I studied John three this week, in preparation today, here's the thing that I couldn't stop thinking about. How do I step into the moment when the moment steps up to me? How do I step into the moment? How do I seize that moment when it comes before me? How do I step into it when it steps up to me? You see, every more, uh, most, most afternoons, I, uh, I take a walk through the mall here in Joplin for about 20 minutes or so, and I just clear my head, and I just pray for all the people that I see um, walking through the mall, and I pray over our community, pray for the people that, Um, Statistically, uh, in this area, within an hour drive of Joplin, um, one in every two people don't know Jesus. They don't know him as Lord or Savior. They don't know God as a Father who's loving them and pursuing them. So when I walk the mall, I just kind of count. one, that person probably does, and that person most likely doesn't. I just pray, remind myself of what we're here to do. the son, a man came to seek and save the lost. That's what we're about. The Father has sent me, Jesus said, so I'm sending you. And this last Friday, I had my youngest Chandler with me, Um, Chandler Joy. She's a little two-year-old, or almost two. Uh, She might act reserved in the atrium. That's because that's what her older sister does. But she's crazy. (laughs) We did the carousel. We... uh, at the mall, we went and played at the playground, and then walking back to the, uh, past the carousel, she didn't want to leave it. I was like, "Come on, Chandler, let's go." So she just laid on her back on the floor in the mall and just smiled and giggled. I'm like, trying not to laugh. I'm like, "You're actively disobeying me," and she's just dying laughing. But she's a hoot. Um, but we're walking through the mall, and I'm trying to pray and be dad, and and. Um, we walked past this kiosk and there's a man there working the kiosk and he waved and smiled at Chandler and he said, your daughter is so beautiful. And I said, thank you. And um, she was smiling and, and playing back. I mean, she's a cute girl. Um, actually, I have a picture to show you. I mean, come on. Like, seriously, she's just so cute. I am in so much trouble in about 12 to 14 years. But right now, it, she's just, oh, man. So anyway, we're, we're out there playing, having fun, and, and he starts trying to talk to us. He has some broken English, I can tell, that he's, it's his second language, and, and we're having a conversation. I said, Chandler, tell him your name, and, and she, she didn't. Um, but I said, her name's Chandler, and we, I said, what's your name? And he said, well, you can't pronounce it. I said, come on, we, we, I want to try, Let's, uh, you know, what's your name? And he said, well, it's something like, he said, it's wild, and so I tried to say it, and we had a conversation, and he kind of kept correcting what I was saying, and and I said, uh, and he said, well, it, it's Arabic. I said, well, where from? And he said, well, I'm from Egypt. So I asked him how long has he been here in Joplin? He said, two months. Um, but I've been in America about four months. I said, how do you like Joplin? He said, there's not much to do. I said, well, there's more in the summer. He said, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> But I said, man, well, I just want to let you know, it's so great to have you in our community. we want just to welcome you and welcome you to our country. It's great having you here. And then the Lord just kind of gave me this moment. And I just said, you know, it's just so cool how our God has created all these different ethnicities and cultures that we get to celebrate all made in his image. And then he looked at me and he said, do you know what there is fun to do in Joplin? <laughs> and it was obvious he didn't want to talk about anything um, spiritual at the time. And we passed him on the way back from the playground and got a nice wave and a smile. And that was the moment, that was it. It was an ordinary moment that the Lord laid before me that day. And that's what happens when you follow Jesus. When you're being changed by him and you're on mission with him, he gives you moments like that where you don't write You know, a news story about that moment, but it's a million of those moments again and again and again that you step into. And he gives you these moments as you follow him to share with others about him. And the truth of the matter is that these moments are the very things that revive our faith. They keep it alive. They ensure that we don't become holy huddles that are just waiting for Jesus to come back and rescue us from this fallen world. It's what we've been talking about the last several weeks, that The way in which you have what your desires and your yearnings and your cravings revive, the first question that Jesus asks is, what do you want? You want your wants to change, your loves to change. Well, it starts by following Jesus today, desiring Jesus tomorrow. You take some steps to follow him. And next thing you know, he's transforming you from the inside out. If you want to have to believe in Jesus and have your faith revived, then it takes first belonging with Jesus today belonging with him, sharing life with him, seeing the way he lives life. And then you begin to trust him. You get to see him at work and then you begin to believe in him. And so we said this, this is very simple. This last two weeks, follow Jesus today, desire tomorrow, belong to Jesus today, believe tomorrow, where you have this process where you step into sharing life with him and both your desires are revived and your faith is revived when we follow and belong to the Jesus way of life. We take steps with Jesus before we're changed. And before we know what we even think or believe about him. And so what, we, what do we do? We gave you some tools in order to do this. We gave you the new church app. And it's just a way for us as a community to follow Jesus together. We can share um, prayer uh, requests to each other on our prayer wall. We'll be talking about that later. So you can go download the app. We'll be about it later. We, have, we launched a new uh, partnership with Good News Production International called Redux. It's a platform that's connected to our app and you can get on the app and you can use Redux and you can enter a name of someone that is close to you but far from God who you're praying for, You're one, that you're praying every day that you could share the love of Jesus with this week. And you can just remind yourself, I'm gonna do something and schedule a task on Redux and make sure that you do that. Enter that name. You can even just enter initials and the first and last name. You don't have to enter the whole name or any other information. And actually last week we could tell you we had 100 people that registered on Redux from our church, pretty cool. And 50 of those people entered a name, 50 names that are close, people in our community that are close to us, but far from God. And so did you pray for your one this last week? Did you, did you set your alarm at one o'clock on your phone to go off every day to pray for them? Did you write their name, that one person's close to you, but far from God, and put it by your mirror so that when you brush your teeth in the morning and at night that you see that name and you pray for them? Did you pray for them when you put them in, the, in, in Redux? Are you praying for them like, asking the Lord to show you how you can share the love of Jesus with them? And as I was praying for my one, it was crazy. And this is what I think happens. Our, our spiritual antennas are up. And I was praying for my one, then I saw the opportunity to speak to maybe someone else's one, YO at the mall. And God gave me a moment and I was able to step into that. How do you step into the moment when the moment steps up to you? I wanna show you the story from the life of Jesus in John 3 where I really see him step into this moment with this guy named Nicodemus. It's John 3, verses one and two, let's jump in here. It says this. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and he said this, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. See, this entire counter with Nicodemus, this religious leader of, this, of the Jews, of this Jewish sect, happens because Jesus did one very important and vital thing. He met Nicodemus where he was at. He didn't force Nicodemus to come to his teachings in, in the temple, in, in, in the courtyard of the temple during the day, sit on the front row, wear a shirt, all right, Mark that I'm here, log in. Here I am learning from Jesus, nothing to happen. He let Jesus come at night by himself and he let Nicodemus' questions drive the conversation. He stepped into the moment. Nick came at night in order to feel safe with the cover of darkness. He was a religious leader, he was a public figure. And for some reason he wanted to talk to Jesus, but he was unsure about this being connected to his reputation. And I can't help but ask this question, why? Why Nicodemus? Why did he have to have this conversation with Jesus what made him want to talk to Jesus about spiritual things, about important things. And I think we get a clue from it here when Nicodemus says this, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. See, Jesus had been doing these signs, these miracles, these actions with his hands, with his feet, with his words, in regular people's lives, with ordinary people. And we know in the book of John, there's one sign that we've seen up to this point, Jesus turning water into wine, Okay. But we know from the other gospels and from what Nicodemus says, there's lots of signs that Jesus was doing at this time. I mean, he's healing sick. He's driving out demons. He's he's, uh, welcoming the outcasts into his inner circle. He's he's loving those who are the unlovables on the the outskirts of society. And Nicodemus is seeing this. He's saying, these things that you're doing, I have questions for you about them. I wanna learn from you. See, Jesus is living a different kind of life than they were used to seeing. And that's what creates the moment for Jesus to step in. And the same is true for you and for me. When you follow Jesus, when you follow Jesus, you end up living a different kind of life than everyone else around you that aren't following Jesus. You're gonna have different values. You're gonna treat your spouse and your husband and your wife differently. You're gonna parent differently differently. You're going to work differently at at, at your place of employment. You're going to be taking out the trash when it's not even your job, but you want to be a servant. You're going to be loving people and hanging out with people that are different than you, that think differently than you, that talk differently than you. And you're going to be loving the least of these and the hard to love. And people, when you do that, people are going to ask, why do you do that? And that creates moments for you to step in to have spiritual conversations. Now, the reality is, if you aren't living differently, there's no need to ask questions because your life is the same as theirs, right? You see, we had this saying that was attributed to St. Francis of Assisi that says, preach the gospel at all times when necessary, use words. Yet there's no proof that he ever said that. The reality is that statement we got so popular years ago because we had a lot of people that were probably proclaiming the good news of Jesus, the gospel, but with their lives and the way they lived didn't match what they were saying. They were hypocritical. And so there's this emphasis, man, we gotta live lives that show people the love of Jesus and not just tell them. That our actions speak louder than words. And so we emphasize this action part, and yet we drop the sharing the good news part with our mouth. Where actually it's always both, it's word and deed. We gotta share the good news with our mouth, and we gotta live differently and love people through our actions. It's when both of those come together is when the good news and we share the faith with the world around us. And it's when we lead with our actions, when we lead with living differently, people can't help but ask questions. Why do you do that? And that creates a moment for you to step in. So look at what Jesus responds at what he says. John 3, 3. Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. That's it. That's what he says. Jesus shares the gospel. It's the good news in a very ordinary and simple way. If you wanna see the kingdom of God, you gotta be born again. If you wanna bring about heaven on earth, right all the wrongs of society, you gotta be transformed. You gotta be made new. You gotta be changed by Jesus. It's the gospel and it's not a sermon. It's not a lecture and I love sermons and lectures. Actually, the Chiefs' game doesn't start until two this afternoon, so I'm just gonna preach long because it doesn't matter, right? You guys okay with that? No lunch, yeah, you the game? No, okay. It's just sharing the good news of Jesus in a simple and ordinary way. That's what sharing your faith is. Well, and I wanna actually help you all. When someone asks you that question, when you're living your life and someone says, hey, why do you live your life that way? Why do you guys do that? Share the gospel with them. Do it one of these two ways. I wanna give you exactly the words, words to say. Here's two ways to share the gospel in a nutshell, okay? Here's the first. I believe that following Jesus and being changed by Jesus and getting on mission with Jesus is the only way to truly bring about heaven on earth instead of hell on earth. I'm, putting, I'm leaving these up here so you can take a picture with your phone. You can write these down. You can keep them. Memorize that. Practice it with your spouse, with your kids. And so when someone asks you, hey, what, what, what do you really believe about your faith? Then you can tell them in a nutshell. This is the gospel in a nutshell. Our kids actually memorize this second one. It's called, they call it the gospel statement in our children's middle school and high school ministries. And it says this, I believe that Jesus died in my place for my sin and rose again to bring new life with God. They actually have hand motions to it. Have any of your kids done this? I believe that Jesus died in my place. I still can't do this arm. You can only get so high. Sorry, Jesus. That's like really weird to cross. Um, I believe that Jesus died in my place for my sin and rose again to bring new life with God. That's their hand motions. Now, if you wanna do that in the mall, that's fine. You can do that if you want to, Um, but it may help. That's okay. But memorize one of these statements. And then when that moment presents itself, step into it. When someone asks you, what do you believe? Tell them. Here's the gospel in a nutshell. Now, here's what I don't want to happen. I don't want you to memorize one of these statements and then anytime anyone talks about anything spiritual, you just keep saying that. Again, 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 like a robot. Um, One of my youth pastors for a very short period of time was a guy named Eric Epperson. Eric is a member of the church here, actually, at College Heights. He is a guy from Muskogee, Oklahoma. We grew up together because um, everything good comes from Muskogee. Shout out to Muskogee. Anybody else? No? Okay. Um, uh, <laughs> but he was my youth pastor for a little while. I'll never forget him telling a story about being at an NFL game. And there was a guy that was standing behind the field goal. And every time they were kicking a field goal, this man would stand up and he'd lift up a big sign that said John 3.16. So that anytime they're kicking a the field goal on national television, everyone would see John three 16. Millions of people. And this is what this guy did. And Eric was at the game. He was a little bit, you know, away from the guy. And so he walked over to the guy during the game and just asked him, hey, I saw you held a sign up. Like what's, well, can you tell me a little bit about your faith and, and why you do what you do? And the guy didn't engage him in conversation. Like he didn't want to talk to him. It was like, that was not what, the guy's like, no, I'm not supposed to talk to you. I'm supposed to hold up a sign. And Eric was like, that's the point of the sign. Like, I'm a Christian, let's talk. I'm a pastor. What I don't want you to do is use these statements as signs and not engage people in conversation because that's what Jesus did. He he told them the good news in a nutshell, but he engaged them in a conversation. He talked with them. He allowed him to ask clarifying questions. Sharing your faith is sharing life with people, not a statement with people. Yet Jesus started the conversation by answering the man's question with a short statement about what the good news is. And this led to a conversation. Look at verse four. Nicodemus asks, how can someone be born when they're old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. See, Nicodemus followed Jesus's ordinary statement of the gospel with a clarifying question. Can you explain that to me a little bit more? And I can't help but wonder, maybe that's what we most fear. Maybe the main thing that keeps you and me from having a spiritual conversation with someone close to you or close to us, but far from God, is because we feel inadequate. Maybe you do, maybe you feel inadequate. Maybe you are brand new to faith, you're brand new to church, Christianity, and you don't even know what all the books of the Bible are, the names of them, let alone having read all of them. Maybe you've been a Christian for a while and you've never read all the, all the Bible. And you're just terrified, what if I get into a spiritual conversation and they bring up a book of the Bible I know nothing about? Part of the Bible I know nothing about? Or maybe you're not quick on your feet and you know there are so many arguments that you hear people talk about on the news or in your philosophy class at college that you just don't know how to argue back or to how, to, how to even engage a conversation. Maybe you feel inadequate and so you don't share your faith or engage in conversations because you don't feel like you can. Let me let you in on a little secret here. There will always be something that you don't know about Jesus. There will always be something that you don't understand about Jesus. Put that on the screen. There will always be something that you don't know or understand about Jesus and the mystery of Jesus and the Trinity and Christianity and how salvation works. And there's always going to be something that you don't know about Jesus. Jesus, his miraculous death and resurrection and ascension is something that I've studied and learned about and have been living out for years. Since I was eight years old, I have a five-year undergraduate education on New Testament studies and preaching, and pastoral ministry, I have a four-year graduate education on theology. I wrote a th- thesis on these topics. There's still I still know, don't know things about Jesus. I still get intimidated talking to people, thinking, "What if they What if they ask something I don't know?" Friends, we have two doctors on our teaching ministry. Did you know that Shane Wood is a PhD in New Testament studies, and Mark Scott is a doctor of ministry. I think they're both in here, Shane. Are there things that you don't know about Jesus? Yep. Mark, are there things that you don't know or understand about our Lord and Savior? There's always gonna be stuff you don't know. There's always gonna be stuff, but guess what? You probably don't know what you don't know about Jesus until you know, you know? Right? All of us are walking around with these big gaps of knowledge that we are ignorant of. We don't know what we don't know. And the only way to know is for someone to get up like me and preach and teach. And then they accidentally stumble upon the topic that you don't know about. And you're like, oh, I didn't know about that. That's great. Or you enter into a spiritual conversation with someone and someone asks you a question and you don't know. And you're like, oh, I don't know that. I need to go learn that. And that's how you grow. That's how you mature. So let me help you rewire your mind here about sharing your faith. It isn't about teaching someone the faith, like the entire systematic faith, but learning with someone about faith. It's not about teaching someone the faith, but learning with someone about faith. It's you going to them saying, listen, I'm trying to learn about Jesus and pursue this faith thing. I don't, I just like how you think. I would love to like learn with you about this. And you gotta be genuine about that. You can't be like trying to use that as a trick. Literally go into the moment, go into the conversation with this, this one person that's close to you but far from God and say, hey, I think we can learn some stuff from each other in this thing called faith. And then pray and say, God, not only can I have opportunities and moments to share faith with them, but can you help them show me what I don't know and help me learn about faith? I tell you, when you're on mission with Jesus, sharing your faith with your one, your faith becomes alive alive because your curiosity is revived. You begin learning new things again because people are asking you questions and your gaps of knowledge are being made known to you. Here, listen to this. You don't become mature and then share your faith. You become mature by sharing your faith. It's by doing it. It's part of the process of growth and maturity. Now I'm going to go ahead and invite Aaron Wheeler out here. Aaron is our small groups minister, and he's hosting for us this morning. He's the Broncos fan that everyone's mad at right now. Um, but Aaron, come on out here. Aaron, thank you, sir. I brought chairs. Great. How great is that? Um, Aaron has a, actually is also a doctor. Is a doctor of intercultural studies, PhD, and your dissertation was on evangelistic strategies, yep, right? Yep. Can I ask you two questions real quick? You may. Are there things that you don't know or understand about Jesus? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yes, okay. And are there times when you get intimidated or nervous about people asking you questions you
1: don't know? Um, I mean, I don't worry, but because it's inevitable. Like, it's going to happen. It happens all the time. There yeah. you go. There's another absolutely. person. It's just going to happen. Just get ready for it.
0: Okay, so let's jump into this short interview. So I would like to know, uh, Aaron talked about a class he's has been teaching in February. I'd like for you to kind of explain to everyone your background in evangelism and sure. this course.
1: Um, yeah, the, really what this, this course, Relational Evangelism, where it came from, it's, it's got like a 10-year history. Um, it started when I was uh, doing MA work, grad school, and I was taking a course on evangelism. And kind of as our, our final exam project is we had to create this evangelism project to, to use in our context. And so I was working with a missions organization, I've been with them a long time, and so we got some colleagues together and we created this this kind of evangelism curriculum. And that kind of became the main way that our organization uh, did evangelism. Mm-hmm. And so part of my job evolved to being the guy who trains our entire crew on how to do evangelistic strategies. And so it started there, then I uh, started to do a PhD work and that kind of became what my dissertation was. So it kind of put that thing that we created through yeah. the rigors of the doctoral system and see what comes out on the other end and then uh, I, we moved back to the States, we're here in Joplin, and Ozark Christian College asked me to teach a course on uh, disciple making, and so evangelism is a huge part of that, so we kind of took it into the, into the undergrad Bible college level. Uh, so it's been 10 years of, of study and practice and, you know, reforming it different ways and all this kind of stuff, and what's really exciting to me is this is the first time I've ever done it in a church. And so mm-hmm. I feel like that's kind of where it was always meant to go. It was mm-hmm. meant to go to, to real people and real things, keep it practical, do it at the church level. Uh, so I'm excited to be able to bring this here and to be able to do it in this context. That's awesome. I wanna ask, ask you, how do your studies in this course, mm-hmm. how does it help us
0: engage in these spiritual conversations that we've sure. been
1: talking about? I mean, that's really what it all is about. Sometimes we, uh, we think of sharing our faith as is this like anonymous thing that we just kind of randomly drop in and do this kind of stuff, but really it's it's revolving around being able to engage with people where they are, mm-hmm. being able to base it off of relationships because what's what this is it's all it's all relational. People are not projects that we're trying to work at. They're not notches in our belt. They're not you know these kind of you know empty handed away from us things. That these are based out of love and care that we have for people in our lives. Mm-hmm. It's, it's coming in and saying, you know, Jesus is the best thing I have. He's mm-hmm. the best part of everything that I do and everything that I'm a part of, and I just wanna share that with you because I want you to have that best thing as well. Mm-hmm. And so that's where we bring it in. And, and we talk about, you know, people who don't believe kind of where they're at. And so it's hard. And I think what's intimidating about sharing our faith is that um, we kind of put everybody who doesn't believe in one box. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, what do I do with unbelievers? It's, it's really, it's, 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 what we could do is look at it differently and say, what we developed the whole course around is there's really five places that people are in their unbelief. All the way from they love Jesus and they would accept him if they just knew how to do that. You know, they're right there, all the way from people who are completely hostile to the faith. Mm-hmm. And so what we do in the course is we just say, figure out this, this one person, you're one. Where are they in this place? And then what do you do for that place specifically? Mm-hmm. That's really what it's all, it's all about. As people are taking steps
0: into this for maybe the very first time, they're new to their faith, maybe they like grown stagnant in their faith, and they mm-hmm. were like, you know what? I feel convicted. I really need to be sharing. There's someone I love. I love how you talk about the best thing I have, and yeah. I just want to share that. Yeah. Right? And maybe it's like, that's, that's what's happening. It's like, there's this thing I love I want to share with you. If someone wants to take a first step in that, what would, you, what would your advice be? How would you encourage them?
1: Um, I think one of the misconceptions we have about evangelism, about sharing Jesus, is that we, you know, if I could use a football metaphor, because, you know, it's, it's Sunday, it's the big day. Um, we sometimes think we got to, like, have this Hail Mary touchdown that's gonna win the game. Mm. Like we'll show up and we'll say this one word or we'll, we'll have this one story that's gonna change everything and mm. they're gonna accept Jesus and you know, all three stanzas of just as I am are gonna happen and you know, <laughs> it's, all, it's all there, that one moment, that one place and uh, what we have to realize is again, this is out of relationship. We're not manipulating people. We're just sharing our heart and our faith and that's a long term thing. Mm-hmm. So don't think of it as a Hail Mary that's gonna win the game. Think of it as how do I get the next first down? Yeah. Like, how do I just take the next step? How do I get this person just a little bit closer to Jesus? Because we're going to be with them long term. Right. This is a relationship. We're trying to teach a relationship. And so this is going to be something that's been a part of a long piece of our lives. Yeah. It's not just the next few days. It could be a long thing. And so we want to build into that. Yeah, Guys, if you want to go to Aaron's class, it's Wednesday
0: night. starts February 19th through April 1st. Six weeks on relational evangelism. Give him a round of applause. Thank you, Aaron, for coming out. Appreciate that. You don't want these? No, I'm good. All Thanks. right, <clears throat> guys, uh, you really want to? You really want to dive into that with Aaron? Aaron's a great teacher. He's a great friend. He's a great uh, just person to come alongside. He has guide through life, and you'll really, you'll really be deeply blessed by by going that through that with him. So, what happens to Nicodemus? John three kind of ends with Jesus kind of restating the gospel clarifying some stuff, having some more conversations. And then we don't get another word from Nicodemus. He just kind of falls off the page. And you're like, what happens to this guy? Did, was Jesus effective or not? Did it go well? Did he achieve what he wanted to or not? Did he do it wrong? And we don't see him again until John chapter seven. Now it might take 15 minutes to read from John three to John seven, but that's like a year or two. Okay, of life that was lived. And Jesus is in Jerusalem. He's teaching in the, in the temple courts and, and around the city. And, and, the, and the, the, the leaders of, of, that kind of, of, of the temple are really upset with Jesus. They don't like what he's doing. And so they rally around. They're gonna have the temple guards arrest him. And in John 7, verse 50 to 51, you can see Nicodemus pop back up. Here he is. Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus earlier, and who was one of their own number, asked, does our law condemn a man without first hearing him to find out what he has been doing? You see, something's been going on in the life of Nicodemus. He's been... He's been listening to Jesus' podcasts. He's been following the YouTube videos. He's been standing at the edge of the crowd as Jesus was healing people and teaching to other people. He's been hearing the good reports about Jesus and what he did with the sinful woman and, and X, Y, and Z and how he invited the outcasts into his inner circle. And Nicodemus is, something's going on. at Late at night before he fell asleep, Nicodemus can't help but think about Jesus. He's blowing him over in his mind. And when the moment happened, He kind of stands up for Nicodemus in public in front of the other Jewish leaders. And then comes the last time we see his name in the book. It's after Jesus died. All of his disciples except one have fled in fear. Yet look who cares for his body. John 19, 38 to 40. Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now, Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders. But with Pilate's permission, so this mean that jo- Joseph went to the government to get permission? He came and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds, taking Jesus's body, ready for this, the two of them. Not the 12 disciples. Not Jesus's mom, not the Mary, not the women that were his followers and supporters. No, it was Joseph and Nicodemus wrapped it with the spices and strips of linen. You see, he believes. He's following him, maybe in secret, but maybe not. Maybe this is a pretty public display to take Jesus' body down from the cross on the road, on the mountain, where everyone can see him taking care of the dead body. So was Jesus' conversation with this one, was it effective? This is years until we finally see results. Here's what I came to tell you today. Here it is in a nutshell. Let me show it to you. Sow seeds today, reap a harvest tomorrow. Sow, say that with me. Sow seeds today, reap a harvest tomorrow. When sharing your faith each day, look at it as you're just moving people, like Aaron said, one step closer to Jesus. You're just moving people, you're just sowing seeds. You're just telling them a little bit about this best thing about your life. And you trust that God will reap a harvest, that he will do the changing and he will do the molding and he will do the transforming. Sow seeds today, reap a harvest tomorrow. I go to the same place most mornings for breakfast. Um, I meet with lots of people in the morning before they go to work. And so I just kind of make it habit to go to the same place. And I've had the same server for about three and a half years now. His name's Chad. And I've been praying for Chad Um, that he would come to know Jesus uh, as Lord and Savior and as God, as Father, who loves him and cares for him. And I've had just not great, I've not seen much progress, to be honest, for three and a half years. I've just been sowing seeds. How can I pray for you? No, I'm good. Okay. Um, Hey, what do you believe? Oh, you know, not much. Just not not tons of conversations. I have invited him to come out to watch a movie with me and some guys. I went to go see a movie at the theater. I knew he loves movies and he, he wasn't able to go. I actually, Monica and I invited the whole restaurant staff to our house. We hosted their Christmas party for them. We made them dinner they exchanged gifts and everyone came but Chad. And it's just been just tough sledding. And finally he ended up getting transferred to another store in the area. I didn't see him as much. Well, the other day he was in the store with his street clothes at the restaurant and I was in there eating and, and uh, him and the manager pulled up chairs and they just began sitting down, shooting the breeze with me, talking to me. And I asked him, I was like, hey, how's the new store? And he was like, oh man, those people, they are just, they are struggling. And he looked at me and he said, This. They need Jesus. They need Jesus. Amen. And I just, I don't know what to do with that. Because I don't three and a half years sow seeds just day after day after day. And then you reap a harvest tomorrow who's your one you're praying for pray for one every day that you may be able to share the love of jesus with someone close to you but far from god do what jesus did with nicodemus that night do these three things me put them up here to provide some hospitality for them create a safe place for them i have another one that i've been praying for i'm going to call him george and i've been praying for george to come to know jesus and to spend some time with him and I tried to invite him to these parties and we're gonna get a bunch of guys together to hang out. And, and he kept saying, no, no, no. And I finally realized George is kind of reserved. So hey, would you wanna go get lunch one-on-one? Yeah, I'd love to do that. I'm like, oh, that's the safe place for him. What's well, hospitable to your one? Create a safe place for them. Have a conversation. Just enter into a conversation with them and pray that God provides a moment. And then when he provides a moment, step into the moment by doing what? Sow seeds today, reap a harvest tomorrow. Sow seeds today, reap a harvest tomorrow. That's my challenge to you this week. How do you do that with your one? Let me give you some tools on how to do that. When you create that safe place and you have the conversation, after the conversation is over, don't just move on. You wanna remember, we're learning with them about Jesus, about faith. And so use this thing, this is called a journal, or you can get a notebook, this is my, my prayer journal. After you have a conversation with them, use a pen and use paper. And just write down their name and answer these two questions. What questions are they asking about faith? And what am I learning about faith with them? And then every time you meet and you talk, ask those two questions and just write it down, just take notes and then be able to look back and see over the years, how God has moved through those conversations. If you don't like pen and paper, if you don't ever have that with you and you're gonna forget to do that later, then on your phone, that's why I provided on the church app, our, tool, our partnership with Good News Production called Redux. Uh, it's just like an online digital journal where you can have that person that you are praying for on, you can click uh, that person's name and it takes them to kind of like a, a, an account where it's like you're taking notes and you can literally make a note that's, that is just you typing. What questions are they asking? You can type those down so that you remember later. And you can answer, what am I learning? You can type that down so that you remember later. All that is a digital journal so that you can keep track of and then you can see over time, here are the questions they keep asking and here's what God is teaching me, what he's showing me. And you can use that on our app. So we're gonna move into just our time of prayer today. Um, I want us to take a moment just to pray. We're gonna pray for our one that's close to us but far from God. We're gonna pray that God gives us opportunities to be hospitable, to provide a safe place for them to have a conversation to provide a moment to step into. Pray with your family, pray with your spouse for your one during this time. We're gonna have our elders and our staff and our volunteers go ahead and get up now and move around the room and you can go to one of these people and you can pray with them for your one. If you're just going through a tough season in life, you can go pray with one of these people. They'd love to pray for you. If you wanna text a minister on call, we're gonna put a number on the screen. You can text them and say, hey, could you pray for me about this? You can post on our prayer wall, the app, and say, I need someone to pray for me. And everyone will be able to, see that. They'll be able to pray for you. If you want to talk to me about who Jesus is, maybe you want to enter into a conversation today about what it means to follow, belong with Jesus. I'll be right over here underneath the lightning bolt during this next song, our symbol for prayer. I'd love to talk with you about who Jesus is and his love for you and what he has done for you. But let's pray for our one today.